0: Welcome to Intel on AI, a podcast series that brings you the latest on cutting-edge tech, driving artificial intelligence in the enterprise today. And now your hosts, Derek Osborne and Emily Hudson. Hello and welcome. My name is Emily Hudson.
1: And I'm Derek Osborne.
0: And this is another edition of the Intel on AI podcast. Today, our guest is Frederic Godard, CEO and Head of Industry at IFDAC. Welcome, Frédéric.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Frédéric, what does IFDAC stand for?
1: So, IFDAC is an acronym, so it means International Fashion Digital Automated Quantification, and it's a young startup that started about three years ago, and our goal is really to be able to quantify the industry. You know, fashion is a very complicated industry. There is a lot of uncertainty, and we want to help the different stakeholders of the industry, you know, brands fashion models, magazines, designers. We want to help them navigate this complicated industry. And what we do is that we provide tools and rankings to uh, help them navigate this industry. And to do that, we use advanced AI systems, algorithms, machine learning, neural networks, all the things that we like.
0: So you are one of the few people we've talked to on this podcast that works with both kinds of models, not only fashion models, but also data models. And so it's very interesting uh, because the fashion industry is something that it must be hard to quantify. You know, it's so emotion driven in many ways. And I think this is a very interesting problem that you're trying to solve.
1: Thank you very much. So basically, you're right. I mean, the project started as a research project, in fact, like about 10 years ago and with the people who were handling one of the biggest, if not the biggest data set on the fashion industry, which is called FMD. At first, it was about fashion models, so it was a way for models to post about their achievements and their pictures and drive their careers, right? And it started in New York, and then we started collecting data, 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 you know, about the brands, about the magazines. And a couple of years ago, we thought, well, why don't we rank things? Why don't we use another type of model, which is, as you said, the algorithm, so how to model the industry? That was quite complicated, as you can guess, because the fashion industry is still today very uncertain, not as well organized as other industries. And so basically, we trained a couple of algorithms on our data set. We're trying to invent more quantitative future for the fashion industry, which is not known for you know, its love of quantification. But we started convincing people in the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about the data input that you have into your model and how you define your loss function? So basically, we have a big data lake. Part of it is our own data collected over the years. Right now, we have about 150,000 entities. Again, the fashion models, the magazines, the brands. And this is increasing. So you know, we can average 200,000 very soon. We have millions of data points. And so we take this data lake. We also include data from other sources. So it could be industry reports. The blogs the magazines we select the sources very carefully but to some extent we take whatever is out there also social media very important these days like instagram we relate to all these sources and then we get a ranking at the end and the ranking is for all the entities right we classify the entities by type so we have a ranking for the models a ranking for the brands ranking for the magazines a ranking also for the fashion cities which Actually, New York is number one, which was a study at Columbia in New York. I was very happy to see that. Uh, Paris is number two. As a Parisian, I was also happy to see that. Uh, Milan, number three, and uh, London, and then LA. And in fact, we can quantify and classify and rank pretty much anything in the industry. When you say you make these rankings, are you trying to mimic human label data? It's a major issue with the fashion industry and the way, basically, there is something else which we don't do, which is basically trend forecasting, and the question is how do you actually code the data in the industry some startups do that so what we do is more relational you know i'm a researcher as well so basically what i do is a social network analysis and i'm really interested in affiliations and i look at you know for example how the fashion models are affiliated with the brands right in the fashion shows how the brands are affiliated with magazines articles And what is the type of emotions that are associated with the brands, the models, the designers, and so on uh, and so forth. So we try to keep it uh, in that sense as objective, quote unquote, as possible, which in fact is more intersubjective. You know, human classification is great. Again, I mean, for sometimes cannot be replaced as of today, at least. When you look at some trends, you have to interpret the cultural component of a trend, for example. That's very difficult to have computers do that. And the algorithms are not that great yet. Uh, But in our case, it's really relational. We have this gigantic relational data set that we keep improving every day.
0: How are customers using this analysis or, or where is it being deployed?
1: So, for example, we can help retailers assess the value of portfolio of brands that they have, because we rank the brands. So we can tell them you know, which brands are going up, down, and so on, and what is the overall value of your portfolio or your assortment. So that we can do, and there is a lot of demand for that. Something else we can do is, uh, also talking about portfolio, you know, if you're a big conglomerate and you own various brands and you want to purchase a new brand, for example, and it's a private company right, which has no stock market value, we can help the conglomerate assess the value of the brand they want to purchase. So that's something we can do as well. Something we can do as well is help brands hire fashion models. So for example, you know, you want the lineup of models. We can simulate the future. We can simulate the impact that a certain lineup would have on the value of the brand. And we can also do that with, for fashion models, we can help them define or decide for whom to work, right? Which agency, what are the good brands for them and so on. We can help them drive their careers as well. But again, we work with clients to understand their demands and then we try to adapt our tools for them. And we learn a lot in the process as well. So one thing I found when creating models is people are really apprehensive to know that you can create, have a computer make decisions that are similar to what humans can do. They want to feel that they're unique. I would think that in the fashion industry, that would be an even more intense desire of feeling human, that they're unique, that they have a unique perspective. How are these models received by the industry? We need to be very careful. I mean, we, um, something we discuss among us, I mean, the uh, ethical implications of what we do is something that is very important. Rankings, for example, why do we need to rank? And, well, the truth is that rankings, you have them anyway. I mean, everyone ranks everyone else all the time. And, you know, as a sociologist, I would tell you that rankings are natural and they always emerge in human systems, in groups, corporations, in markets. In fact, what we do is that we provide transparency. The way we rank is, so as you said, right, it's, uh, you know, we use algorithms. It's intersubjective or or objective, which means that we use all the data that is available, and we can explain what is going on. So we can also help and guide uh, stakeholders. So, you know, you're in this position in the ranking, and these are the reasons. And we can show them what the best are doing. You know, if you want to improve, you know, this is what the others are doing above you. So what can you do to improve? And in that sense, I think it's important to bring transparency to a market uh, so that there is no hidden information no manipulation, no chronism, and so forth. Now, as far as having people being a little bit fearing that uh, human decisions will be replaced by computers, so that may be true in general, but in our case specifically, what we're doing has never been done before. I mean, the sense that, you know, ranking the brands and the stakeholders is not something that people were doing before that, at least, you know, like in a quantitative manner. So they had some kind of feeling of, you know, who was high status, had more prestige, and so on. So we're not replacing anyone. We're just adding more transparency, more data, uh, objectivity, uh, and so on and so forth. Now, I can understand that if we were doing like trend forecasting and telling people how to organize their collections, for example, that would be uh, different. But it's not what we do right now, although we could probably do it in the near future or work with partners on this specific uh, question.
0: So can you talk a little bit more about how you've been working with Intel to enable all this activity by IFDAC?
1: So basically, first, I have to say that being on the uh, Intel iBuilders program was an honor for us. Uh, It was really helpful. Also, because it shows that what we do is interesting and matters or is intriguing. And so it was a big boost for productivity and motivation. So that was really nice. Now, we use TensorFlow. And my understanding is that we can, thanks to the Intel Xeon chip, we have improved the performance by 356 which is quite a nice performance given, you know, how complicated our data set is, how complicated our algorithms are and how much time it takes to compute everything and to calibrate and, you know, all the back calculations and so on. I mean, this is a huge plus.
0: Excellent. So what is next for IFDAC?
1: Obviously, improve the algorithm constantly. So we're working on that. We're trying to make them better. And again, I mean, having Intel uh, helping us is really helpful and can go faster and so on that's one thing. The other thing is try to understand from clients how to tailor our products better to them, how to use the ranking, how to make sense of them and you know create value for them. The last thing is right now we have a bunch of people who know the fashion industry, working with people who know AI and machine learning. Um, the question is whether we can expand to other industries. And in fact, we've been approached by people in the sports industries, in movies. They want to know whether we can, for example, for a movie, like what we do for a brand, we could evaluate the potential of a team. You know, if you put a team together for a movie, you know, what would be the value that it could create potentially? It would be the same for sports, right? So we could use our algorithms that have been trained for fashion. We could try to also use them for other industries, mostly the cultural industries for now, but it could be, in fact, any kind of industry. Uh, And in fact, if anything, you know, when we dream, we think that we could rank uh, all kinds of entities in all kinds of industries. That's going to keep us busy for the next 25 years or something. So,
0: well, Frédéric, uh, merci d'avoir participé aujourd'hui. And for our listeners who would like to learn more about what you're working on, where could they go for more information?
1: Obviously, we have our website, ifdag.com. But something that may be interesting is what we've been doing with the uh, Fashion Capitals. So it shows what we can do with our algorithms. And it's also interesting to rank cities, right? So uh, www.capitals.fashion.com. That fashion, and then you will see our latest ranking.
0: Thank you again for your time today. On behalf of Intel AI Podcast, this is Emily Hudson.
1: And this is Derek Osborne.